widen your faith. Two weeks ago, we together with the apostles asked Jesus, Jesus, increase our faith. And now, we're learning together practical ways to let our faith spread wide, to let the roots of our faith go wide and deep like the roots of the mustard plant. Lord, widen our faith. And last week, we learned that one way to widen our faith is gratitude. To write down those things for which we are grateful. To offer our thanksgiving back to God. And to realize those times in our lives when we lack gratitude for which we need to repent. Lord, widen our faith. Today, the second thing in our series, how to widen your faith, is prayer. Pray. But pray how? Well, Jesus gives us an example of prayer today, as does Moses in the Old Testament. Jesus says, you shall pray always without becoming weary. And that's what this woman does. Over and over again, she asks. Over and over again. Some people would call her stubborn, but she knows that she is in the right And she will not give up because she knows what she needs. She needs a decision from the judge. She needs justice. She requires justice. She demands justice. And so she does not quit. And Jesus says to you and to me today, don't quit. Don't give up. Pray and pray and pray. And the Lord, He will answer your prayers. Speedily. It doesn't always seem speedy to us. But to the Lord, a thousand years are like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. And and the Lord always answers us in His time. Often not in the time that we want, but always in the time that is best for us. If you want to widen your faith, pray. And pray without becoming weary. But how are we supposed to do that? It is hard. In fact, it it is humanly impossible to pray without becoming weary. We, We need something. How do we pray without becoming weary? And that is where we look at the example of Moses. The God's people had just come out of slavery. God's people, the people of Israel, were slaves in Egypt, and God rescued them. Let my people go, God said, that they might worship me in the desert. And how did God rescue his people from slavery? God sent the ten plagues. God conquered the false gods, the demons of Egypt. God took his people finally out of Egypt and through the waters of the Red Sea. And as God's people passed through the waters of the Red Sea, they came out on the other side free and Pharaoh and his armies were drowned in the sea. When did that happen to you? When did I pass through the Red Sea 
on that day, when we were brought to church, most of us as little children, on that day, when we passed through the waters, not of the Red Sea, but through the waters of baptism, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And you and I were freed from sin. You and I were freed from the dominion of Satan and of death and of hell. You and I became sons of God in Jesus Christ who conquered sin and who conquered death. You and I became partakers in the resurrection. But that was not the end of the story. No, then we had to go on a journey. Just like the Israelites. And they wandered through the desert. Going to the promised land. Because you see, when God freed his people from Egypt, he promised them that he would lead them to a great land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And when you and I were baptized, we received the promise of the opportunity to enter into heaven. And so you and I, like the Israelites of old, are on a journey. You and I are on a pilgrimage. You and I are, like the pleased Jesus, on the way to heaven. But, but, there are enemies along the way. And one of those enemies in the Old Testament is called Amalek. And Amalek was just a group of people who was trying to stop Israel from getting to the promised land. Was trying to stop God's people from attaining the great promise and the great joy which God desired to give them. And so too, you and I. There's only one thing, only one thing that can stop you from getting to heaven. Only one. Only one thing that can stop me from getting to heaven. And that is our own sin. The only thing. After we have been baptized, the only thing that can stop us from getting to heaven is if we choose not heaven. That's what a mortal sin is. When we choose not God. When we choose not heaven in a grave way. And sin comes after temptation. And temptation comes from three places, one of three places, sometimes a combination. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And so you and I, we're on this journey from he- to heaven. You and I, only one thing can stop us from getting to heaven, and that's if we choose to sin. And you and I have our own battles to fight, not against Amalek, but against the world and the flesh and the devil. And as, and what do the world and the flesh and the devil do? They try to uproot our faith. They try to pull our faith up by the roots and cast it into the fire of hell. But you and I will not be deceived. You and I will not allow ourselves to be beaten. You and I will not allow our faith to be uprooted because we are widening our faith. Setting the roots wide such that it can never be pulled up. We're doing that by gratitude. And we're doing that by prayer. And so the story goes. True story. When
when Amalek came to stop Israel from getting to the promised land, Joshua and the soldiers went out to fight, and Moses went up to pray. And that's what we have to do in the spiritual life, to fight and to pray. As Moses went up the mountain, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And as Moses went up the mountain, he prayed not just with his mind, though that's very important. He prayed not just with the words of his lips, though that's also very important. But he prayed even with his body. And extending his hands, he prayed. And as Moses prayed with his mind, surely, with his lips, probably, with his body, definitely. The Israelites won the battle. But, but Moses, like us, began to become weary. Pray always without becoming weary. But Moses, he began to become weary. And as the Moses began to become weary, as Moses began to slacken prayer, as Moses' hands began to, to fall... Israel was beaten, was beaten by Amalek, was beaten by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And isn't that what happens? When we stop praying, when we slack off in our prayer, isn't that the next thing? We slack off in our prayer and we find that we do good less. We slack off in our prayer and we find that we sin more. We slack off in our prayer and we find that our faith does not widen, but it shrinks. So what are we to do? What are we to do so that we do not become weary in our prayer and so that we can continue to widen our faith? Well, Moses had friends. Aaron and Hur. And Aaron and Hur were there with him. And first they gave him a rock to sit on. And Moses' hands went back up and he prayed and he prayed and Israel won the fight. But Moses got weary again even though he was sitting on a rock because, I mean, let's face it, a rock ain't that comfortable. And it said Moses got weary again and again that Amalek began to win. And so Aaron and Hur said, all right, we know what we're going to do. And they went, up on, they went up on the sides of him and they physically held up his arms so he might pray. And the Bible says, that Joshua mowed down Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. They won because they fought and they prayed. They won because Moses prayed without growing weary. Or rather, because Moses prayed, and when he did grow weary, there were people in his life who lifted him So how, how did Moses pray? And how ought we to pray? Well, Moses, the church father said, or the Bible says, prayed by extending his hands. And the church fathers show us that when Moses extended his hands, he looked like this. When Moses extended his hands, he prefigured the cross by which sin is destroyed, death is defeated, hell is conquered, and you and I are saved. 
Moses, though he didn't know it, was prefiguring the cross. And when you and I pray, we should always, always invoke the power of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That's not just some, some magic ritual. That's not something we do just to check into prayer. But we begin and we end most of the time in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit because the power of our prayer comes from the power of the cross. It is the sword of the cross that was cast into the earth to defeat the enemies of our human nature, the enemies that try to draw draw us to hell while God desires to welcome us to heaven. And so by Moses' prayer, with his hands extended on behalf of the people, He shows us the power of the cross. And we see even at Mass, when the priest prays on behalf of the people, his hands are extended. There's one uh, way of celebrating the Mass called the Dominican Rite, where the priest actually extends his hands all the way like this when it's time for him to pray on your behalf. And that's why when we're at Mass, it's only the priest who extends his hands. Because the priest is like Moses. The priest, the priest stands in the person of Jesus Christ, who is in you, Moses, praying on behalf of the people that you and I, but especially that you might fight the battle of the Christian life and win. And that you might mow down your sin. And that you might destroy the temptation of the world and the flesh and the devil. And Moses and Joshua teach us how to pray. Because at the front of the battle is the name of Jesus. It's Joshua who leads the attack as Moses prays in the form of a cross. Joshua is a Hebrew name. Yehoshua in Hebrew. Do you know what Joshua is translated into Greek? Remember, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, mostly. Some Greek and some Aramaic, but mostly Hebrew. And the New Testament was written in Greek. And if you take the word Joshua, and you translate it from Hebrew into Greek, you get the word or the name Jesus. And the church fathers show that while Moses prayed with his arms outstretched in the form of the cross, showing us that by the power of the cross that we conquer, so too it was the name of Jesus. Joshua, Yehoshua, Jesus, who was in front of the battle fighting. And so we pray by the power of the cross in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what, do we, so what can we do practically? Like what does that look like? What does that mean in your life and in mine this week? Well, if you already pray, with some regularity, if you already take some time in silence, I invite you to take five more minutes. If you don't yet pray with the Bible, I invite you to begin to open the Bible in that five minutes and to read the Scriptures. Perhaps even the the Bible readings for next Sunday or perhaps the Bible readings for the day at Mass. You can find those in, in, 
in your books in the, in the pews. You can find those on the internet. And if you don't pray, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to tell anybody. But if you don't, if you don't, really, if you don't pray every day, hey, I invite you to start with five minutes. Just five minutes a day. Begin with the sign of the cross. Enter into the power of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then do three things in those five minutes. I, I, I learned these three things from, uh, from a group called Alpha, uh, uh, whose resources we're actually going to be using to, uh, to help form our teenagers come the spring when we start youth formation. And I learned from Alpha, say three things when you're praying, especially when you're just starting out in prayer, if you're just starting to take those five minutes, number one is thank you. Tell God thank you for whatever you need to thank Him for. Like last week. Gratitude. Number two, I'm sorry. If we're honest, like we just know that we all sin. All men have sinned, says the Bible, and are deprived of the glory of God. The just man falls seven times a day, says the book of Proverbs. Okay, so we sin. And for all of our venial sins, we tell God we're sorry. Perhaps we make an act of contrition. And then we move on. If we have any mortal sins, we beg God for the grace, to, for the courage to come to confession. We start with thank you. Then we say that we're sorry. And then we say please. And just ask God for what you need. Five minutes every day. Thank you. I'm sorry. Please. And the second part is that we are going to become weary. Like Moses, our hands are going to want to fall. Like Moses, we're going to need somewhere to sit down. Like Moses, we're going to need friends to help us. So as you take five minutes a day to pray this week, Find a partner. Find somebody else who is also going to commit to those five minutes. And every day, check in with that person. Just a text message. Hey, did you pray today? Yeah, I did. Uh, No, I didn't. All right, when are you going to pray this afternoon? Or when are you going to pray this evening? And then at the end of the week, after you've checked in every day, after you prayed every day, or maybe you didn't pray every day, maybe you prayed five days, or maybe you prayed four days. Well, praise God. Like, if that's better than what you did before, praise God. You can get five days next week, six days the next week, seven days after that. But at the end of the week, you just have one conversation on the phone, in person. Hey, how was your week? What was the biggest grace to your prayer? What did you feel, or what did you think, or how did it go? Because, y'all, we need help. We need friends. We need people. Like Moses had erred in her, we need people to walk with us in the Christian life. In a couple months, we're going to start something called uh, Connections. And we're going to start them in Advent, and so we're going to call them Advent Connections. And and it's going to be something we're going to do with the whole parish to, to help to help us have help. To help us have help on the Christian life. But for now, this week, find one person who's willing to pray with you. 
who's willing to walk with you in prayer. And every day, alone in your room or in church or in your office at lunch or whatever it is, five minutes. Thank you, I'm sorry, please. That we might widen our faith and that we might persevere to heaven. Amen.